What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve You podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, holistic life coach, business mentor, speaker, and author. And on this podcast, we bring you exciting episodes, not only for myself, but other influential guests that I feel like could deliver some value to you. You heard enough of me. Now it's time to bring you on some other people that can share their voice, share their story in a unique way. So we have another exciting guest. It is a fellow colleague of mine, a new friend, and she is doing some amazing things um, with herself, her personal brand, uh, branching off from so many different areas, i.e. pharmacy, uh, but now transitioning into and pivoting into a new venture, which she's going to explain about to us. So welcome on Dr. Christina Madison. Thank you so much for having me. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the power of connection is just so amazing. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we connected on LinkedIn and just all of the amazing things that, uh, that I've been seeing you doing and just the fact that we've been able to collaborate, I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. So just a little bit about me. I am currently an associate professor of pharmacy practice at Roseman University of Health Sciences. I'm actually an alumnus of the College of Pharmacy that I teach for. So I've been here since 2007. And my area of focus has been in public health and communicable infectious diseases. So it's really a great marriage of my personal passion for helping others and helping the public, as well as my um, only child uh, desire to please and entertain everyone. So I always yeah. say I'm, I'm here for your edutainment. So I get to stand up in the middle of a classroom and, and uh, entertain and educate my students on the regular. So. <laughs> wow. 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 I absolutely love that because I think sparking joy in, in people allows them to be more attentive and pay attention. They're like, wow, this is really interesting because they're an interesting person. Uh, so you're starting off as a pharmacist. Kind of take us back a little bit. Um, you've been in the pharmacy field for roughly 15 years, right? Give or take, uh, 12 yeah. to 15 years. Um, take us back to that moment where you decided to be a pharmacist. I think that's a great place to start because, you know, we're, we're asked this big question that I always tell people, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did it always start that way? <laughs> no, that's a great question. So um, I do come from a family of healthcare providers and healers and people who care for others. And so uh, my grandfather was a physician. Um, one of my great aunts um, was a nurse in uh, New Jersey, and she did a ton um, as it relates to public health and just all things community service and really did a lot for the African-American community. Um, so, so I do come from a background where health and wellness and healthcare is, is a big emphasis. And so, um, I really just, uh, you know, started out knowing that I wanted to help people and knowing that I wanted to do something in the medical field, whether that was pharmacy as a medical physician um, dentistry, like I looked into a bunch of different stuff. And so I was doing undergraduate research um, with a biologist and we were doing a lot of uh, research going out into the field. And there were several people in my lab that were telling me about this new pharmacy school that was getting ready to open. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should find out more about that. And so they uh, were hosting interviews. I was in my third year. And so the prospect of kind of getting like that 
jump ahead and being able to go and start professional school early because they would take me without having to do a terminal degree. At that point, I had already done all my prerequisites. So I was super excited for the possibility to like really jump start my career. I was 21 and wow. didn't know anything and was like, <laughs> this seems like a perfect opportunity. So of course I go, I interview, everything goes famously, I get accepted and I'd never worked in a pharmacy before in my life. And mm -hmm. so luckily um, it, you know, was one of those things where I just kind of took that leap of faith. And then also, you know, having a new pharmacy school here in, in Las Vegas, uh, I would have had to have moved to Reno if I wanted to go to medical school because at that time there was no medical school in Las Vegas. And so it just seemed like a perfect fit. I'm a, a big family person, um, very close to my mom um, and my grandmother. Uh, and so like, it just seemed like a really good thing to do. And so that's what I did. And then I just had amazing opportunities within pharmacy school because we were a new campus and a new uh, college of pharmacy, we got tons of opportunities. And so just amazing start and then yeah. did residency. Yeah. Uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which was also a fantastic experience, uh, was able to teach at UNM, College of Pharmacy, while I was there, which was part of my residency experience. And that's what really kind of lit my, my teaching fire. I was yeah. able to teach in their skills lab, and we were responsible for all the students that rotated at the VA as one of our longitudinal rotations. And so uh, came back home. To Vegas at the time there were no positions open at the College of Pharmacy so I actually took a job working at our uh, at that time there was a College of Medicine so it was a DO program that had just opened huh. again you can see a theme here I'm all about trailblazing and, and yeah. doing new things so this the College of, of, of Medicine for the DO program had only been open a year and they hadn't started any pharmacology yet and so I applied I got the job. I was there for <laughs> I was there for two years and really loved my job and really loved medical education, but missed uh, being in practice and missed patient care. Mm -hmm. So I then um, took a position working in managed care, which I thought was going to be patient care, and that was what was advertised, and that's not what I got. So I lasted there for about eight months, and then there was a position that opened up at Roseman uh, that a colleague told me about, and so they offered me the job and said, we'd like for you to start clinical services at a public health department, and I was like, uh, okay, that's, that's interesting, that's unique, I've never heard of that before, and again, going back to my whole trailblazer roots, I was like, let's do it. Yeah. So they'd never had a pharmacist before. They'd never had clinical services there. So yeah, I just was able to kind of blaze my own trail, which was pretty great. And I was there for 10 years. Wow. And then I recently transitioned to working at a family medicine clinic that caters to the LGBTQ community. So yeah, I've had fantastic opportunities and just really have not wasted any time whatsoever, as you can see. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I love bringing guests on, as you see, guys, that have very, very interesting stories. And you can kind of see a theme here as well, is that pivoting in life and pivoting in your career and pivoting in just different areas um, that you're trying to, to grow and evolve in is so key to continuous growth. And I think, uh, Christina has some amazing things, and I kind of want to dive back just a little bit um, into your story and kind of 
where was a point in your story where you said, okay, something, something is just needs to change or each and every pivot point that you had, I think a lot of people are in this stuck mentality, right? Where they feel like they can't evolve or if we have our fellow pharmacists listening or healthcare professionals listening right now, they feel like there's just no room for growth. How do you create these opportunities or how do you position yourself in these opportunities to say, Hey, like I'm welcoming in all these different things. Obviously you may have did something. <laughs> it just didn't pop out of thin air. You positioned yourself correctly. You made the connections as necessary. So I'm a huge uh, supporter of mindset and positivity begetting more positivity. And so I think that if you tell yourself that you can't change and you're stuck and you're not going anywhere, then you're not going to go anywhere, right? Yeah, but yeah. if you if you manifest it, right? So I always say that like I'm I've manifested my current situation. I mm -hmm. I put that out into the universe, and I'm very mindful about how I present myself um, in public, uh, at mm -hmm. you know at my job, on social media. Like you'll never ever see me attack anyone, say anything negative because I just I don't think it's useful. Yeah. And you know, when it comes back down to it and and really what is your passion? And if you know what your passion is, there's always a way. There's yeah. always a way to get to it. It may take a couple steps, but there's always a way to get to it. But the first step is identifying what is your passion if you if you weren't getting paid, what would you do? Right? So that's kind of where I started. And so I love teaching and I love being able to mentor student pharmacists. I love being able to connect with other pharmacists and help them grow in their professional development. Um, I feel like I've always really had that like mentor mindset. And yeah. so it was just a perfect fit because I could do uh, patient care, I could be in the classroom, I could mentor students, I could, you know, help move my profession forward because I no longer do dispensing pharmacy. I haven't done that in years. I've, yeah. I've pretty much most of my career done direct patient care. And so I think knowing that and knowing what my passion was really helped me to position myself to where I could take advantages of those opportunities when they came up. Yeah. So that's what happened with me moving to my new practice site. You know, I wanted to focus more on communicable infectious diseases that are as it relates to sexual health and HIV yeah, and care for the, you know, sexual and gender minority population. And so the, when I was out in the community, was at a meeting, I ran into this provider and of course he was like, hey, you know, I've heard, I've heard about you, you've heard about me, we should collaborate. We started working on a research project together. And then over time it was like, you know, we're working together, why are you just not in my clinic all the time? And so it just, it, it presented itself in a way that, you know, I wasn't out there rushing to get to a different practice site, it just was a good fit. And it really aligned with where I saw myself going professionally and what I wanted to do in my community. And I feel like there's a deficit in general about care for those in the sexual and gender minorities. And, and that's something that I wanted to bring awareness and focus to because of all the health disparities that impact that community. Wow, I, there's just so much to unpack there uh, that you laid out on the line. And the biggest thing that I got from there is uh, the mindset, but also just 
you not being afraid to to open up and, and tell people what you need and what you want and tell people you're passing, you're speaking your truth, right? And you're telling people, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I, I foresee myself helping people and patients and giving back to students. And as you begin to speak that and manifest it, it seems like people are willing or are willing to either listen to it or create something and saying, hey, we have an opportunity in that realm. But if you never spoke up and spoke your truth, it just seems to be in people's minds that they can't tell people what they need or what they want. They're just going to conform, right? So during this transition and pivot, I think the biggest thing that I want to focus on is, is to the public health. What gate, what had you interested in that realm of public health because there's not a lot of public health pharmacists there's not a lot of pharmacists that are on the ground floor saying how can we focus on prevention and and just natural disease states and things of that sort can you explain a little bit more about that and then we'll dive in some more deep questions that people are probably wondering like oh what about what about this is going on currently right yeah no i'm happy to come back again so you know we don't have to just end today <laughs> Uh, so to go back to your question, uh, really how I got into public health was honestly surely by accident. So when I came um, in for my interview, there was actually two different practice sites that they were interviewing candidates for, one at our uh, one of our local teaching hospitals, which I actually had done part of my training at. And so it would have been a real easy transition and fit for me to just go back there because I already knew all the doctors there. I had actually volunteered there when I was 15 um, as a candy striper so it was a real it would have been a really easy transition for me and I'd done quite a bit of inpatient care um, and critical care when I was a resident and so it was that position and then there was the health district and so when I came in for my interview they said we know we told you that there were two different spots but unfortunately this other location it, is no longer available. Um, they decided to go mm. with the current resident. And I said, okay, no problem. At that point, I uh, really wanted the job. And so the, you know, I would say the chameleon that I am, um, constantly <laughs> changing and growing, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, we will make this work, right? Because yeah. I knew yeah. I wanted this job and I knew it would be a great marriage of my two loves, which was teaching and patient care. So this was the location that was available and I've always had an interest in infectious disease. And so when I went in, you know, it was really a unique situation because they hadn't ever had a pharmacist there before. And it was in, in areas that I don't traditionally think of as ambulatory care. So like I worked in a tuberculosis clinic, I worked in a sexual health clinic, I saw HIV patients, I did immunization clinic, we did disaster preparedness, family planning. So the theme there is obviously it's public health, but it was very specific to these like communicable infectious diseases and things that we could help the public with. And so that was my, you know, sort of kind of like inkling. I was like, okay, even if, you know, God forbid this doesn't work out, I'm going to learn a ton, right? So I feel like that about every job I've ever had even if I didn't stay there, I know that I've still learned and I can take that experience and grow from that for my next venture. So I came in and obviously that was 10 years um, where I was there. So I was very happy being there and, and being able to start those services. Uh, you know, I had the first pharmacist run latent tuberculosis clinic with a collaborative practice agreement with the local infectious disease physician, um, you know, would do 
family planning clinic, STD clinic, we started HIV services, we did early interventional care, so we would get people into care as soon as they were diagnosed. So, I mean, I truly appreciate all the experiences that I had there, and I learned so much about how I can impact my community and um, make sure that I'm moving my profession forward, right? So yeah. getting away from the thought process that pharmacists can only do lick, stick, and pour, right? And, and I'm not saying that dispensing pharmacy is not something that we can't do. Exactly. I just want to elevate it and evolve it to the next level, right? So Good. we can do that, but we can also add our cognitive services and our clinical skills so that we can impact the public so that some of these things like HIV prevention, sexual transmitted diseases, those things, birth control, those things mm -hmm. can be done in the pharmacy setting very yeah. easily. And it's just bringing it to the attention of some of the community pharmacies so that they know these are some of the things that we can evolve into so that we yeah. can um, help our help our our patients but then also help the profession wow I, what i got out of that really was the fact that me personally guys you know that i have a background in pharmacy obviously and i i parted ways with the profession a little bit on the earlier stages um, because i had found my voice and i found my passion and i think that Christina points out a good point here for people that are listening that are healthcare professionals, or if you're not, and you're saying, well, wow, I didn't know this much about pharmacists, that we have this knowledge base, we have a lot more tools in our toolbox than people think, um, and that you can reach out and you can actually utilize your pharmacist for a certain uh, aspect outside of, you know, lick, stick, and pull, and, and pill, and dispense, right? So, from this point, you are practicing, you're giving back to students. It's, it's 10 years, 15 years in the game. And now you're saying, wow, I feel like I can make a bigger impact. So now it's an even bigger pivot. Can you tell us what you're doing now and how you came about to this coaching and consulting and media appearances and actually speaking your voice and passion? Yeah, so again, opportunity begets more opportunity, right? So it's that like momentum. And I think it just really uh, kind of just grows and grows and grows, right? So I went to a, a local women's empowerment conference in Vegas and had the opportunity to speak with one of the moderators. And I just was really vibing with her and like really hit it off. And I was like, you know, we should keep in touch. Here's my card. And so this was uh, late fall of last year, uh, around September. And I was kind of already thinking about moving into the entrepreneurial space. Um, I had already uh, gotten the domain name for my website. Everything was kind of in the works, but it hadn't quite gotten up to speed yet. And so she contacted me and was like, hey, can you be part of a focus group? Because she was getting ready to launch an app. And I said, oh, unfortunately, I'm not available that weekend, and this is why. And I told her I was speaking at a conference and what I was speaking on, and she was like, hold up, I need to have you on the podcast. And I was like, okay, what is this podcast you speak of? <laughs> so of course, I like do my research, do my history, get everything together, and she's local, so I was actually able to tape it local in studio. And that's really what was the catalyst to kind of light the fire under me to say, hey, you have this opportunity. You need to start advertising your services, and you need to get your butt in gear. And so that's what I did. And so 
the podcast, it's got more podcasts. And as you can see, it kind of the momentum developed. And then I started doing media contributing uh, in the local news. And so I started doing media pitches on healthcare related content for my local news station, which has been pretty great. Uh, and so I've been featured a couple times on our local news uh, as it relates to things like uh, the coronavirus, which is obviously mm -hmm. an evolving news story. So I was on as their local public health expert, which was pretty great. And then also um, I'm on the board of a nonprofit here in town called the Ashiro Foundation, and we help women and girls in vulnerable situations uh, that's uh, related to human trafficking and sex trafficking. So I've been doing uh, quite a bit of uh, media related to that as well since last month was Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So Wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> that, that is a lot. Guys, there's so much to unpack and we're going to probably have to invite uh, Dr. Christina back with us to explain more. But uh, in short, I think what I want to focus on now is you've pivoted in your story. So if you guys have been listening, she's gone through matriculation of traditional pharmacy, made some transitions in the time span, and then has now discovered her calling and wants to share her voice as a coach, as a consultant, as a media expert. And she's been doing so, and I think the momentum is just huge right now, i.e. why I had to have her on this podcast. So what I wanna ask next is kind of, what do you see as the state of pharmacy, number one? And then second, kind of what people can do to have more preventative measures um, for their health and maybe what this corona, what's the state of the coronavirus? What is it for people that don't really understand? People just don't know, maybe. Um, can you give us a little background on, on what's going on? Yeah, so I, I definitely think that right now our profession is in what I would like to call flux. So mm -hmm. we, our, our traditional thought process of, of what a pharmacist should look like is definitely evolving. So the you know person behind the counter, uh, you know, there's been a lot of a, a attention paid to burnout and the mm. risk for patient safety associated with some of the issues around being in community pharmacies and sort of the push for more productivity and why that maybe is not the direction that we should be going. And so I think that we're at a time, we're, we're at a shift within our profession. So I think that traditional pharmacy or the dispensing component is still going to be there, but I think it's going to look very different in the next yeah, five yeah. to 10 years as automation becomes more, uh, more prevalent. Um, it's sort of the Amazoning of everything, you know, with pill pack now being purchased by exactly. them, the direct to consumer, you, you don't even need a pharmacist necessarily to get your medications anymore. And so I think we, we're at a very pivotal time point within our profession. And so I, I really want people to understand that we are capable of changing, right? And we're capable of yeah. practicing at the level of our licensure. And mm -hmm. so that's what I wanna see. I wanna see pharmacists actually being able to practice at the level of our education and be able to provide those clinical services at the community pharmacy setting. Or alternatively, if I could you know, take over the world, there would be a <laughs> pharmacist in every single doctor's office because yeah. we have that medication knowledge and the physician is not spending the time to take, to go over all of that and so we could take that burden off of the provider 
and we can really impact in a positive way patient care so that we don't see medication errors, we don't see polypharmacy in patients, we don't see increased risk of falls in the elderly. So I think that's really where our next steps are. And obviously legislative change, Mm, we need EMS to, to recognize us as providers. Uh, state by state, doing it state by state is just, it's, it's very laborious. Um, we are seeing some amazing initiatives like SB 159 being passed in California, mm-hmm. allowing for pharmacists to provide HIV prevention uh, without a prescription. Uh, you know, we're seeing contraceptive laws being passed all over the country. The last state was in Utah. Um, we're looking at legislation like that here in Nevada. So I, I see us changing and evolving. I see us getting to the point where we can practice at the level of our licensure and our level of education and specialty. And then as it relates to, you know, prevention and preventative care, obviously the burnout factor is huge. And so I think from a job satisfaction standpoint, every pharmacist needs to think about what is your passion? What is going to make you wake up and happy to go to work? Because if you don't feel that way, you're not going to be doing a service to yourself or to your patients. So regular exercise, healthy diet, getting um, enough rest. I just saw an interview, touched my heart with Kobe Bryant, how he talked Mm. about mindful meditation, used to meditate every day. He had an interview with Ariana Huffington and how he was like always getting that extra 30 minutes of sleep and how much of a difference it made in his productivity. And I really, really think that that's important. So take time for yourself. Self-care is huge. Uh, Regular exercise, keeping that healthy diet, that's going to help everyone. And you know, you want to be the change, right? You want to be that example that your patients want to emulate, because if you're showing up looking all tired, um, acting all upset, how do you think that they're going to take your recommendations? I'm not going to be, I'm not going to talk to this person. They seem like a, you know, sourpuss. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that, you know, we got to, we got to work on ourselves first so that we can put that positivity out there because I Mm. really think that that's how we make an impact. Yeah, gosh, I, I think, <laughs> you know why I have people on here, guys? So you don't think I'm crazy. I'm talking about this stuff all the time and hearing it from another voice hopefully gets you to understand. And this doesn't even have to relate to pharmacy, right? I think it's, it's all of our high-performing professionals that are supposed to be leaders in their own right, in their own uh, households and whatnot. And everyone seems to have this just overwhelming uh, fear and anxiousness of not being happy or not knowing, feeling like they wasted time with their profession or they have a stagnant point. And that just goes back to, it's as simple as taking care of yourself. And we all know these things. So then it comes down to, okay, what's your deeper why behind why you need to take care of yourself, why you need to, uh, you know, do the things and have the personal development tools and tricks and tips and discipline and resilience and perseverance and things of that sort. I'm going to ask you on the topic of these personal developments, what, let's pause it. So you mentioned something there that was very interesting to me. And I think it is interesting to everyone. They're like, Brian, pause right now because we need to hear about this. You mentioned the coronavirus. Can you dive in a little bit, um, 
deeper into what it is for someone that doesn't know and if someone does kind of know what are we doing as a society um, to fix the problem or what's really going on currently yeah so the novel coronavirus is a uh, part of a family of viruses called the coronavirus uh, so the typical coronavirus that we know about is actually what causes the common cold. Um, it also was responsible for uh, Middle Eastern respiratory illness and SARS, which also came out of China. So this novel virus is a respiratory illness. Um, and basically what's happening is um, we're seeing individuals becoming sick. Um, they're having fever, runny nose. Um, but the big difference between this virus and other viruses is the fact that it's causing significant breathing problems. So they're having severe respiratory issues, mm -hmm. and that's actually what's causing people to be hospitalized and unfortunately passing away is from that secondary bacterial pneumonia that they get because the virus has left their um, their system vulnerable to infection. And so I think there's a lot of miscommunication and a lot of, um, you know, bad information that's being put out into the public. And so as a pharmacist and as one of the most accessible healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. I'm really trying to do my best to get accurate and factual information out to the public. So here in the United States, we have a total of 12 cases as of yesterday. Um, there's a, a new case that was identified in Wisconsin mm -hmm. um, and 12 cases in the entire United States. So Think about that in comparison to influenza, which has had over 8 million yeah. people infected just in you know, a small period of time, had over 10,000 deaths, right? So when we look at it in comparison, you know, we're just barely scratching the surface. And so I think the reason why people are getting so afraid is because there's no vaccination for it. There's technically not a, a, a treatment for it yet. And the fact that it's spreading so quickly across the globe. But ultimately, here in the United States, our risk is still extremely low. So we would just use any other preventative care measures like washing our hands. Like I can't mm -hmm. emphasize that enough. Wash your hands frequently. Watch, wash uh, frequently touched surfaces. Uh, make sure yeah. that you're cooking your meats and, and handling raw meat properly. Uh, do, using respiratory precautions. So don't go to work or school if you're sick or ill. Don't be around other people who are sick or ill. You know, those are, you know, things that we always say for preventative care measures, you know, yeah. uh, making sure you're up to date on your vaccinations, make sure you have your flu shot, if you're eligible to get the pneumonia shot, anything that's going to help your respiratory health is going to help you if you are uh, exposed to the coronavirus. But ultimately, that risk is extremely low, considering the fact that we've only had 12 identified cases in the entire mm -hmm. United States and pretty much all of China, which is where the epicenter of the infection is, is shut down right now. And there's a temporary advisory um, ban on travel of anyone going or uh, coming out of uh, the affected area. Yeah, yeah. If someone's listening right now and they're trying to delineate kind of between the two, if you have influenza, of course, as we know, but then they're thinking about, do I have Corona? It's just this, this thing in the air when people are, are mentioning where well, they're sick now, the flu, of course, is just a high flu season and um, people are getting sick and they're thinking like, do I have the coronavirus? Do I not? What should I do? You know, where is that point where some signs and symptoms are coming up for people where they maybe should start thinking a little yeah. bit more? Yeah. 
So ultimately it's, it comes down to testing and mm-hmm. really because the symptoms are very nonspecific and, and your travel history. So if you've traveled to one of the endemic countries or you've come in contact with somebody who's recently traveled to the endemic country. So uh, the outbreak actually started in a place called Wuhan, China, which mm-hmm. is part of Hubei province. So that's really where um, that area is where we've, we're seeing the lion's share of cases. And so if you know anyone who's traveled there recently, or if you come in contact with them, and then you start experiencing things like fever, cough, runny nose, difficulty breathing, then absolutely, please go see your healthcare provider immediately yeah. and make sure that you're telling them everything about your travel history, because that's really our way of determining if you actually should be tested for coronavirus, is your recent travel history, and if you've come in contact with somebody who has been to that endemic area. And as of right now, we only have two cases in of those 12 that have been sustained human to human contract transmission with somebody who came from the infected area. Everyone else is all travel related. So still very, very low, right? So risk, risk is, is we're, we're not even at the point where we should be concerned, but those preventative care measures, washing your hands, washing surfaces, you know, those kinds of things that that's, that's really what's going to be imperative. And that's going to help for any kind of respiratory or infectious disease. Right. So I think this is just a, another reminder that hygiene does a lot to help with infectious disease. That's really good. Uh, I think hopefully guys, if you're listening, even if you're a healthcare professional, you've been informed a little bit more because you can get caught up in uh, things that pop up in your ads and things that pop up in your news feeds and we get uh, drawn into incorrect information and we just want to make sure that everyone's feeling safe and that's another stressor for people if they feel like they have something but they really don't and, and they're kind of going down this rabbit hole, right? So Christina, can you tell us now what what you're doing currently as a coach, as a consultant, um, how do you support and help people um, currently now being a thought leader in my eyes um, in the public, public health sector and even in pharmacy and outside of pharmacy too? Yeah, so there's a few different ways. Obviously, my media contributing, being on podcasts like yours. Thank you very much again. Uh, And then getting out there and doing a lot of professional speaking. So I do a lot of speaking um, on the topics related to public health, sexual health, HIV. Um, I'm actually going to be speaking at an LGBTQ conference in Southern California Mm -hmm. this weekend. So getting the word out about how pharmacists can make an impact and then also uh, supporting those individuals who've come to me for guidance and support and mentorship and coaching through helping them to see where they can go to get additional training, um, supporting them with their passion, helping to show them that they can make that pivot and they can evolve. And even though they feel like they may be stuck in their full-time job, that they can get to that point where they wake up every day happy to go to work and would go even if they weren't getting paid. So I think all of that combined is really how I'm supporting the profession and then hopefully being an example for my students and my colleagues. That's really good. Something that you mentioned, I think another thing that maybe need to be pulled out is you're in Las Vegas, Nevada, okay? And you're dealing with a lot of stuff that's going on there and i.e. why your specialty um, is in sexual health and HIV and 
uh, STDs, sexual transmitted diseases. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what your experience has been in that arena? And if someone's listening right now and they're looking for preventative measures or looking how to navigate it, what is maybe new that's evolving um, currently in that arena? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the biggest thing that's within the HIV prevention space is that we now have two medications that are FDA approved for HIV prevention. So both Truvada and then recently Discovi, which is now approved for uh, men who have sex with men and transgender women. Um, so that's pretty amazing. You know, when I first started yeah. working with patients who had HIV, like there wasn't even a thought process that process that we would have a medication that we could take on a daily basis that would prevent us over 90% for getting the virus, right? Yeah. Handfuls of pills versus now most patients are on a single tablet a day, which is just astounding. Uh, and then also just regular sexual health assessments. And that's one thing I talk a lot about with my students is that we just have to start getting comfortable with taking a sexual history. It yeah. is that big pink elephant in the middle of the room that nobody wants to talk about, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I was, I've been told that I'm the Dr. Ruth of pharmacy because I will talk about sex all day, every day, if you let me, right? So here's the thing. You can have as much of it as you want. I just want to make sure you're doing it safely. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, that's kind of how we are here in Sin City. Uh, you know, there we are, you know, one of those identified counties by the CDC that is at the level where we are having more new HIV transmissions than mm. anywhere in the country. So it's, it is imperative that we are getting access to those HIV prevention strategies, harm reduction strategies, as well as telling people to ask questions and to mm -hmm. get tested regularly, right? So it's all about knowing your status. So I always tell people that all the time. There's nothing to be afraid of. If anything, it's better if you come in and get tested because then I can take care of whatever you have and then you can just go on with the rest of your day, right? Yeah. It's better yeah. to know versus you potentially continuing to spread it to new partners and them not knowing and you not knowing and then somebody you know, finding out later on and then there being some animosity between the partners, right? Yeah. And obviously there's this like hookup culture and the dating apps, you know, so that kind of lends itself to people engaging in casual encounters. And so I just want people to know that that's fine. You, you can do as yeah. much of that as you want. We just want you to do it safely. So regularly testing for sexually transmitted infections, knowing your status is really what's imperative. And if you are engaging in behaviors that put you at a higher risk for HIV acquisition, then we have a medication that you can take that will lower your risk over 90% for becoming infected. So that's really where we're at within the ST yeah. and HIV space. And just being open about having that conversation about sexual health and yeah. sexual wellness, because everybody has it, right? So let's just talk exactly. about it. Let's just exactly. get it out there. <laughs> wow, that is so unique because this is not talked about a lot in, uh, in pharmacy school at least. Uh, of course, we learn about the medications, but I think it's interesting that you had to learn how to communicate too to these individuals in a unique way to get them to open up. And I think that bubbly mentality that you have allows them to feel like, hey, like this is my friend. I feel like I can talk to somebody that I trust, right? And I think that's imperative too because there are people out there that are they're, they're a little hesitant because they're they're not 
they're fearful of their healthcare professional kind of judging them or, you know, that just happens naturally or anyone they open up to. Um, but I, I want to transition just a little bit and, and kind of pivot and open up the floor to you. And I just want to thank you for uh, sharing all of your knowledge with us and sharing your story. And I always ask my guests this, how are you evolving? How are you growing? What's new on the horizons? Maybe some big goals and dreams that you want to manifest on here. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah also absolutely. Some lasting so, words as well. So what, what's on? So what's on my vision board, right? My 2020 vision board. Uh, well, the big thing is, is that I want to have uh, something on the books at least once a month, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a television interview, whether that's a speaking engagement. I just want to have something on the books that gets me out there and gets my voice heard once a month, right? Mm -hmm. So last month and this month have already been very busy. So I think I'm going to at least achieve that goal, which is pretty great. But I'm evolving because I'm seeing that I have value and I can create value. And that's, that's, that's been so eye-opening for me. And it's really helped with my job satisfaction. So, you know, I come to work happy because I have this thing that I'm doing on the side that really gives me fulfillment and purpose. And, you know, the one thing that is the, the, the theme that runs across all of it is that I'm helping people, right? I'm helping people, whether that's my patients, whether that's my students, whether that's my colleagues, um, or whether that's the public at large, because I'm getting a healthcare related message out there, I'm helping people. I go to work every day and know that I'm going to make an impact in someone's life. And that is just amazing. Like that just, mm -hmm. you know, it fills my cup up, you know, every day, like I feel so grateful and so blessed. Yeah. And so that's how I'm evolving. I'm just knowing that I am capable for greatness. <laughs> I know that sounds a little bit much, but I, yeah, I just, I I'm, I'm, I've decided that, you know, this is, this is my path and I'm just really overjoyed with the positive response that I've gotten. Wow. I love it. Can you leave us with a lasting word, kind of what you would tell somebody that is listening right now that is on the brink of their breakthrough, on the brink of kind of making that pivot in their lives and maybe what you've learned uh, over the the time span that you've been in a stable position and now you're saying it's time to leap again. Yeah. Uh, my thought would be don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm. If you feel like you are ready for a change, nothing is going to be perfect, That's good. but you need to make the leap. Wow. We're going to drop the mic on that one because I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> imperfection imperfection relish in it relish in it the messy the messy yes I the messy yes she says that to me all the time and i i just love it and oh, you just you I gotta show it. up you gotta show up ready to just take what the day brings mm -hmm. wow 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 thank you so much christina for coming on here and to everyone listening hopefully you've You've gained a lot of knowledge from various aspects, from not only personal development, from but also your, your public health uh, knowledge and just what's going on in our society and how you can differentiate yourself 
uh, from the masses and just speaking your truth and telling your story and speaking your voice out into society and, and allow the universe to decide. And there's always people out there that are going to be listening to you. And I, I think Dr. Christina is definitely a testament to that, that the more she shows up, the more blessing she is uh, dealt with. <laughs> She's dealt onto her behalf. So um, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. We truly appreciate it. And um, guys, we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>